This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. When was the last time you did an audit of your giving? Not just the amount of donors you have or the amount of money raised in a given year. Where is the money coming from? Or more precisely, how are your donors giving? In other words, are they giving through stock donations? Or what percentage are giving through ACH transfers? What percentage of your donors are giving online through a credit card? How many, if any, are giving through cryptocurrency? Well, my guest today started a company that seeks to provide a tool that helps your donors give more to your organization in a much easier way. My guest is Vance Rausch, and he is the founder of Overflow, which provides a platform for donors to give to their favorite nonprofits in a more efficient and frictionless way. Thanks for listening. Well, Vance, it's great to have you on the show today. We are going to talk all about fundraising and what the various tools are out there to help nonprofits increase and improve their fundraising. Now, to start with, I had a guest on my show earlier this year that specializes in fundraising events specifically. Now, I realize where your company focuses on is a bit different, but you both have the same motivation. And that's this, to make donating to one's favorite nonprofit easier and more pleasant than ever. So to set the stage on some statistic around uh, donor engagement and donor giving, here's what he shared. I think you may be surprised by this because I thought it was a surprising stat. He's found in his research that the average nonprofit is only tapping into 13% of their current donor's potential, which means 87% of your current donors are not fully engaged or connected with which in turn could generate an exponential increase in their support your organization. So what do you think of a stat like that and how does it relate to your work and what you're seeing? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Rob. And that's a great way to intro this podcast. We see something very similar. If I could position it another way, 90% of a donor's wealth is in non-cash assets. And your listeners are nonprofit fundraisers, right? Uh, people involved in unlocking more resources for their nonprofit so that they can continue to accomplish their mission and vision. And if I'm talking to the right people, if you think about your website right now, how much do you point people exclusively to give from their checking account through ACH debit and credit? And I'm not saying you shouldn't, right, but I'm that, saying in addition to that, right. if you want to tap into 90% of where their wealth actually is, we would be smart to also include options for giving from your stock portfolio. Even now today, crypto wallet. I know you had a guest earlier this year talking about cryptocurrency as well. That's right. So the stat for our, for our listeners, 90% are in non-cash holdings. That's a huge That's percentage. Right. Okay. A huge percentage of our wealth is stored. Yeah, okay. And and obviously you specialize that. We're going to get to that in just a second. So as we think about increasing donor engagement, one of the best tools, of course, is technology. And that's your specialty really in your organization. You're all about helping to create a much easier and frictionless, I like that term, a frictionless process to donate to nonprofits. And that you do this by utilizing technology. And this frees up precious time, ideally, right? For the nonprofit staff 
instead of focusing so much time on a lot of the inner workings and administration, they could put it more into their programs. So let's talk about what your company provides. Why did you start this company? I'm assuming you're, you started it. And what does it provide nonprofits? Yeah. So the origin story is actually really pure. I uh, serve as executive pastor at my local church. I'm based here in the Silicon Valley. Our church is in Mountain View, California, right across the street from Google. And so a church is like a charity, a 501c3 organization where we take charitable donations to be able to power our mission and our vision. And sitting in the seat that I sit in, as well as treasurer on the board, I'm really privy to the amount of work it takes to be able to receive things that are not cash or that are not through the traditional forms of online giving, ACH debit credit. Largely, technology has been able to provide us easy ways to be able to take in gifts of ACH debit, credit, check, things like that. But there is not really any technology to make it easy to receive stock donations, ETF donations, mutual funds, 401ks, and especially cryptocurrency because it's so new. And as an operator, as a practitioner myself, I just know myself, if it's hard to take in a certain asset as a donation, I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to promote it, (laughs) right? Because I know that it's just going to be a headache for me. That's right. Good point. You know? And so what I thought was that if I can actually make it easier for the nonprofit administrator, if I can make it easier for the fundraiser, for the development director, for the executive pastor at a church, inherently that's going to encourage them to want to promote it to their donor. And this is where we miss it sometimes because sometimes we focus on the ease of use for ourselves on the back end. But really what matters is the ease of use on the front end for our donors, right? We need to think about how can we elevate the donor experience? How can we provide more ease of use to the donor experience? And that's what really matters. But if I can do both, if I can make the nonprofit's job easier, as well as the donor's job easier, we create a win-win situation and we actually unlock generosity. No, I think you said that win-win is always a goal for every nonprofit leader, whether it be a faith community like you lead or other nonprofit organizations. Okay, so you've shared a lot of data and stats with me uh, regarding the improvement nonprofits uh, have experienced with their donors giving when it came out that you found so far that there's a 32 times increase in their giving since using your product. So talk to me about that. Uh, What's your secret sauce? Tell me more about where you got that number. Yeah. So if you look at your stats, any nonprofit fundraiser could probably look at their donor development tools, their current giving platform. You would probably see that online giving, your average donation today, you could probably pull it, is $128 or around there. It's, you know, that's a national average, but you're probably seeing like a one-time giver through your online giving platform is giving $128. The average gift through overflow is $10,000. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that's And huge. so we're seeing, yeah, we're seeing an exponential effect in terms of if somebody chooses to use overflow to give, they're probably going to be a lot more generous than if they were thinking about giving from their checking account, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And maybe go back to what you said earlier. Is that because most of the gifts coming through overflow are stocks? They're, that's not just cash. It's in the, on hand. It's actually something that they've saved maybe and they're pulling out and or giving it one time. But it's a bigger gift because it's very intentional. Is it, would that be correct? That's exactly right. And so 
if you think about it, when somebody is prompted to give from their checking account, you're competing. You're competing against their vacation, their kids' school fees, grocery bill for that week. Holidays are coming up. So Christmas, you're competing, right? When you illuminate them to the fact that they can now give easily from their stock portfolio, when you open up their imagination to their crypto wallet, all of a sudden you unlock what we call another pocket. Another pocket that's not competing against grocery bills and vacation budget, but an area where they have significantly more amount of wealth in and the proportion that they can get from there is much larger, right? Because it's from a larger pool, if that makes sense. And so that's the power of overflow. Nice. Okay. So one thing I want to talk about when it comes to all these great technology tools. I've actually had several guests on my show talk about the various new technology tools that they've been using. And and in that conversation, we talked about how in our culture, we're becoming more and more high tech. And so because of that, there's this push to go high touch. And I think with nonprofits, I would guess churches as well, um, that really needs to be the emphasis, right? So we don't get lost in this high tech culture so much that our donors feel like we don't have much of a high touch with them. So what are the increasing risks of using more and more automation and therefore having less high touch with using technology like what you're providing? Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you can't automate relationship. And so that's why one thing that we provide at Overflow is not just a platform, but a service. And so we call the level of support that we provide concierge level support. And so this is specifically Um, important for non-cash asset donations because non-cash asset donations are significantly more complex than just giving from your credit card, right? That largely can be automated. Obviously, you still want to have donor development tools so that you can have personalized interactions with even people that give from their credit card. But that's not the case with stock donations, ETFs, IRAs, Right, cryptocurrency donations, because of the inherent complexity of these gifts, a platform can provide ease, but not provide full automation. And so we couple our platform with what we call concierge level service, where our group of what we call donor operations experts are available throughout the business day to be able to support you as a nonprofit operator or even the donor directly. Um, if the nonprofit operator would like to make the experience as easy, as guided, as streamlined as possible. What's cool about that is that they don't need to be on hold with Fidelity or Charles Schwab for an hour to figure out how to transfer an asset. We will do that work for them. Or we will have the direct lines into these brokerages because we've established these relationships to be able to bypass some of those processes that create friction that deter potentially a generous gift. And so I would fully agree with you. You can't automate relationship. And we take those interactions with donors very seriously. And we essentially just couple the technology with a human approach. Okay, got it. So basically what you're saying is you don't want to lose that high touch. You provide concierge service, but you can make it a lot easier by automating some aspects of it. Is that Did I get yes. that right? Okay. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. 
I like that approach. Okay. And one of the things that, and getting back to how successful you've been at Overflow, you found that the average stock donation to be even higher than ACH or credit card donations. Again, tell me more about that. Why is that? What has your research shown so far? Yeah, outside of just that's where wealth is held and you're able to get from a bigger pool. The other reason why we're seeing people be a lot more generous with their stock portfolio and their crypto wallet is because of the inherent tax savings advantages with giving from appreciated gains. So if you are in a position where you have appreciated gains in your portfolio, if you ever realize those gains, you're going to be subject to what's called capital gains tax. And you know people don't love that. But what you can do is you can give from your gains. And it's a win-win situation because when you give from your gains, you actually get to take a charitable tax deduction at the fair market value that'll actually save you on taxes at the end of the year. On the other side, when you, Mr. or Mrs. Nonprofit, liquidate those shares that you received, you don't actually have to pay any capital gains tax upon that liquidation or that realization of the value because you're a 501c3 tax-exempt organization. So you're saving your donor taxes. They're giving a bigger gift, so they feel better about it. You're realizing a bigger gift because you're a 501c3 and you don't have to pay taxes on that liquidation. I like that. Good explanation. No, that was very helpful, I think. And again, my guess is my listeners are going to listen and lean into that one because you're always trying to have a win-win with your donors, right? If it saves them taxes and it helps the organization, of course, and you have an easy way to do it, it's a great combination. Okay. Another thing I want to chat about is you've cited a stat uh, on your website about a recent survey, which reveals that more than 60% of Gen Zers, if I could say it that way, uh, would love to make a difference or change the world, right? There's definitely this next generation. Gen Z really does have this very, I would call it, let's change the world mentality. And so therefore they're very supportive of nonprofits. Now they don't necessarily have always the wherewithal and the, the financial amount of money saved away because of their youth and their age that they can really make a huge difference yet. But boy, they can be excited. They could be advocates. They could be great super fans for your organization. But even in the midst of that, you have found that by creating this tech-savvy way of giving, you've attracted more people from the Gen Z population, it seems like. So talk about that a little bit more. Is the technology provide through overflow crossing over all age groups, or is this primarily really attracting this next generation Gen Z? Yeah, all age groups, right? Because on the boomer level, you got to think about IRAs. And on the boomer level, they have what's called RMDs, required minimum distributions. And so they can actually automate those required minimum distributions through our platform to give to you. Many people don't know this. A lot of boomers, they actually don't want to take their RMD because there's a, in many cases, a taxable situation in that regard. So they might be leaving money on the table. Instead of leaving money on the table, might as well give it to a cause that you care about. right? And you can take um, a charitable tax deduction from that. And so we serve all the way from boomers, all the way to Gen Z that you're talking about. If you think about the cryptocurrency space, which is a a greater than trillion dollar market, at this point, 90% of the people that own cryptocurrency are Gen Z and millennial. Wow. 90%. (laughs) Right. So if you think about it, if you want to engage the next generation of givers, the next generation of generosity, because in the next decade, 
older givers will continue to age out. You need to be thinking about the future of your organization. And if you think about the future of your organization being Gen Z and millennials, again, a lot of their wealth, the way they're thinking about it, the way they're thinking about their wallet is these new investment types such as cryptocurrency. And so you got to be really well aware of that. Honestly, a lot of organizations, the way they're set up and the lack of innovation means that they're one generation away of losing a good amount of their resources and access to to where the donation value actually is. Now, that's very interesting. And I think, sadly, I think you're right. I think people are probably not thinking about that. Let us talk quickly. As you mentioned, we have had a guest on the show, actually, we've had a couple of different guests talk about crypto. 90% are this, really the next two generations, millennials and Gen Zs. Talk about that. Like how percentage-wise, what are you seeing in terms of, in general, across the board, the amount of crypto going into nonprofits from what you've seen? And then with Overflow, how much of what you're getting and going through your technology tool, if you will, is crypto and how much is more like stock donations? Yeah, we're primarily known for stock donations. So we see the lion's share of of the value that we provide through that asset class. In saying that, I would say at large, we're at the first inning of the first inning of crypto donations. The reality is if you ask your cousin or your aunt if they only own Bitcoin, they probably are going to say, bit what? (laughs) But it's still a trillion dollar market, right? So what does that mean? We're still at the very earliest stages in places like the Silicon Valley where I live, maybe places like New York, maybe it's a little bit more prevalent. But if you go to um, Alabama, Kansas, um, the Midwest, the South, um, maybe it's not as pervasive yet, right? I want to say yet. Um, I don't think Bitcoin and Ethereum is going away any, you know, anytime soon. Um, the biggest companies and the biggest banks in the world have invested billions of dollars into this space. And so I don't think it's a matter of if this is going to be big. I think it's a matter of when this is going to be big. And we're just at the very early stages of it. Um, and so, you know, in terms of what we're seeing today, though, a lot more of the value that we're currently seeing is in the form of what's tried and true, what people already have today, which is stock portfolios. Got it. Okay. That's good to know. And I guess that's would be the next question. This is putting your forecasting hat on. Do you envision, say, five years from now that crypto will start rivaling? Uh, the, the, the amount of crypto donations will be rivaling stock donations? Or is it going to be like 10 years from now? What's kind of your guess from the trends you're seeing? Yeah. So last year, 2021, um, record-breaking year, $485 billion was donated to 501c3s in America. But only 10% of that, actually less than 10% of that, was non-cash assets. Oh, is that right? Wow. So, so 90% of that $485 billion was from people's checking and savings account. That's incredible. Okay. So you got to think about this. In the next 10 years, if we usher in a net new $485 billion, if we get to a trillion dollars given in one year, where's that going to come from? Not from people's checking and savings account. It's going to come from where wealth is held. It's going to come from people's stock portfolio. It's going to come from people's crypto wallets. It's going to actually come from where people invest, right? And people investing today are not just investing on those two asset classes. They're investing in art. 
They're investing in wine. They're investing in collectibles. That's right. Gen Z, they're investing in Pokemon cards. Right. I, uh, I've millennials, heard <laughs> <laughs> millennials are investing in Jordan shoes, right? And right. so if you're investing into these assets and you're, you're able to sell these assets for a return on your investment, right? And you're able to liquidate these assets for a return on your investment. If you can invest in, in, into it, you should be able to give from it, right? And that's going to be the next 10 years. If the last 10 years was about bringing giving online and the whole revolution was, oh, we're digitizing giving, people don't want to send checks anymore to the organization. People just want to click a button on the website. If that was the last 10 years, I'm telling you, the next 10 years is going to be about non-cash assets. Okay. All right. That's good. All right. The last question would be, for those who are listening, and they're very unfamiliar with crypto. In fact, maybe they're very uncomfortable. What would you encourage them to do, an, an executive director, a development director, a CEO of a nonprofit? What would you encourage them to do to get more comfortable? Because as you're saying, and I've heard from multiple people now, that's going to be the future of giving. So how could people overcome their uneasy feeling around crypto? Yeah, I would say to anybody intimidated about crypto, let me just break a myth. And I live in the Silicon Valley. I live in a place that has the most amount of investment going into crypto. And I can tell you this definitively, nobody knows what they're talking about in terms of crypto. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> even, the, even the quote unquote experts, right? Is that because nobody it's still really volatile knows. and it's still changing all the time? It's very dynamic? I think it's because we are at the earliest stages of the actual technology that blockchain is not widely understood. And the implications of blockchain has not been able to get to a place of widely spread applications, right? I don't think there's actually a crypto application today or a Web3, they call it Web3 application today that's reaching a billion people. It's kind of like in the early days of social media when Facebook was just for the college student. And then all of a sudden, people started understanding what social media was and it was a way that they can connect with people more easily. And then all of a sudden, now it's serving half of the world, right? And That's so right. We're, we're at that stage right now where mm. it's still a niche of a niche community. So nobody really understands it. So I would just, I would break the myth that you're behind the ball. I'd break the myth that, oh, everybody else is just smarter than me. The reality is that, no, you're in the same boat as 99% of people that don't understand it. I would simplify it to this though. Um, you don't need to be an expert at Web3, blockchain, or crypto to be able to take advantage of a very real space that exists, right? It's the same thing. You don't need to be a stockbroker to be able to receive an Apple share for your nonprofit. You don't need to be a day trader to understand that you should probably have a system set up to receive you know, a Vanguard ETF as a gift, right? Great you don't need point. to be an expert. All you need to do is you need to partner with the platforms that are already making it easy, like Overflow, right? And you need to understand that at a first principle level, people apparently have Bitcoin. People apparently have Ethereum. And there's a good amount of people that have Bitcoin. There's a good amount of people that have Ethereum that want to give it. And as long as that's true, you should give an option for them to do that. Right. If you don't give them an option for them to do that on your website and make it easy, you're literally leaving money on the table. You're leaving value on the table. 
Well, very helpful. And fundraising is absolutely central to every nonprofit organization, as you know. So finding the right tools to help them in that process is really critical. So where can they get more information about you and about Overflow? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the best place to go is our website, overflow.co. Overflow.co, not .com, but .co. You can easily find out more information. And the best thing to do is actually book a demo with one of our team so you can see all the ins and outs about our platform. And we would love to serve you. Well, Vance, thanks for being on the show today and sharing your insights. Thanks, Rob. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.